Welcome to Disaffected. I'm Joshua Slocum, and this is a show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And this is the end of 2023, and this episode is Highlights of 2023. It has been a year, has it not? Oh, also, I'm sorry. Welcome to my gracious drawing room, as Patsy Stone would say. First order of business, cats. This is Mina. She is a little baby, and she is a very bad girl who likes to hide in places like ceiling joists when Daddy gets home from Christmas and cause him to rip down ceiling tiles in the cellar at 10.30 at night to get her because she's screaming and scared and will not come to me. Thank you all for spending time with us. Thank you for watching. I hope that we've entertained you. I hope that we've informed you. Um, and I hope that you feel you've gotten some value out of the show. So we picked what we thought were um, some of the best uh, pieces that we've done. Some of them are serious, some of them are funnier. Um, and we'll see how you like it. So here we go. Hello, disaffected audience, and Happy New Year. After the show, we are going to be hanging out, and we would love to ring in the new year with you on Discord. So if you're a subscriber and a supporter, about 10 minutes after the show, join us in Discord in the backstage portion, and Kevin and I will be there, and you all will be too. Enjoy the show. Let's look at some bad behavior, not at the top of the corporate ladder, but down in the public schools. You see this a lot, what we're going to show you. Um, actually, let's let's just show him the video first, Kevin. This is a classroom. There's a black girl who's going off and screaming, and there's a white teacher. The black girl just threw a chair at the white teacher's head and knocked her out. She collapsed to the ground unconscious. Is this normal to you now? Is this normal to you that kids act this way? It's getting pretty normal. It's getting pretty common. What do you think is going to happen to this girl in today's public schools? Will it be expulsion? No. I have a friend who's a teacher's aide in the Burlington, Vermont schools, and he says that even when kids assault teachers, like you just saw in that video, the teachers may not discipline them in any way. They, they will not get expelled. There will be no expulsion for this girl. They get sent to what, here in Burlington, they get sent to something called the wiggle room. I know it sounds like I'm making it up, but I'm not. The wiggle room. Because they've got the wiggles. They've got to get the wiggles out. Yes, they do this with children who are older than five. Yes, affirmative. They have to get their excess wiggle energy out when they assault teachers. Like in 2023? Liking it very much? Expect kids to act like animals and reward them for animalistic behavior and you get children who grow into animalistic beasts, like this girl. She is an animal. It's not her fault. You know exactly what kind of parenting she's not getting at home. You know she has no father, and you know she has a mother who screams at her that she's a bitch. And worse. And worse. How much further are we going to go? How much more of this are we as a society going to tolerate? Put aside the concerns that I don't want to hear the sympathy right now. I don't want to hear it. We're not talking about sympathy for black people right now. We've done enough of that. Let's talk about sympathy for a livable society where teachers aren't in danger of being assaulted, knocked unconscious, or killed. 
by their students. How much more of this needs to happen before we reach equity? What is equity? Is this what we want? Now, now let's stop. Let's leave the white people aside and pretend that we don't matter and that we're all terrible. Let's have some sympathy for the black girl here. What kind of life is she going to have? You know what she's come from. You can see what she's come from and what she's turning into. Do you want to help her? If you do, you have to hold her to the standard of being fully human. And that means punishment and discipline and correction for mistakes and for aggression. If you don't, <laughs> you get what we're going to show you here coming up. So the consequences of letting children go uncorrected last a lifetime. Spoiled children, children who are raised neglectfully or who are raised in abusive households, and neglect is a form of abuse. When they're raised in parent, uh, households where the parents, if they exist at all, fight, scream, call each other motherfucker in front of the children, throw things skillets like my mother does. These children turn into narcissistic adults at very high rates, at least emotionally dysregulated. Regulated. All of them, 100% of them with zero exceptions, are walking around with complex post-traumatic stress disorder. Many of them will go on to develop borderline personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, and similar syndromes. Here's an example of how that happens. Here's one version of what this girl may grow up to be like. This is U.S. House Representative Jasmine Crockett of Texas. She's an elected official. Young woman, too. You're, um, you're going to be watching a clip from the House committee hearing that took place this week on the Biden impeachment inquiry. That's right, the Joseph Biden impeachment inquiry. Not Trump, Biden. Oh, you didn't know that was happening, did you? Many of you, this is the first time you've heard it. Do you wonder why you don't know? Do you wonder why you haven't heard it before? I think you should wonder. Didn't hear it on CNN, did you? That's because the media decided that you don't need to know that. It's not legitimate. You only need to know when bad orange man is going to jail. Now, before we play this, I want you to conjure up in your mind the image and the sound of a stateswoman, a real politician, a real grown-up adult politician, an intelligent, on-point elected official. Think, think of that. Bring somebody into your mind. Now, contrast that with Representative Crockett. On because he's got 91 counts pending right now. But I will tell you what the president has been guilty of. He has unfortunately been guilty of loving his child unconditionally, and that is the only evidence that they have brought forward. And honestly, I hope and pray that my parents love me half as much as he loves his child. Until they find some evidence, we need to get back to the people's work, which means keeping this government open so that people don't go hungry in the streets of the United States. And I will yield. And I will yield. She's bringing the ghetto up in the house, isn't she? Yeah, she's ghetto trash. She's talking like ghetto trash. She's head bobbing and weaving like ghetto trash. She's in a rap video. 
This, this is not, that's not speaking, it's verbal ejaculation. It's not meant to, to be a discussion, it's meant to be an auditory assault. And then a mic drop, and I will yield. Well, right? You go, girl. This is not respectable behavior, it's trash behavior. It's the black equivalent of my people, white trash, my people from the trailer park. If they got up in the committee and start talking about getting her done, cutting a switch. I'm using the Southern accent. Of course, I don't come from the South. <laughs> I'm sorry, Southerners. <laughs> I should work on bringing back my own white trash accent from upstate New York. Um, you better believe that the white trash equivalent of what this woman did would have been instantly plastered across all major media. There would be an investigation. There would be immediate pressure. And within 24 hours, the white woman would have stepped down. You know that's true. The only, she says, but this, this behavior, this gets praised all over social media. She went, go girl. You tell them, tell them, snap back, clap back. The only, she says, the only thing that Biden and Joe Biden is guilty of is loving his child unconditionally, huh? No bribery, huh? No reason to suspect illegal foreign dealings. No reason to suspect exploitation of his office for private economic gain. No collusion with his drug-addled criminal lowlife son. No indications of frightening sexual behavior toward young girls. No, we can't see any. That's not true. Didn't happen. La, 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 la. We're all the Van Com lady from Mad TV. La, 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 la. Shit is hitting the fan, folks. California. Assembly Bill 957, co-sponsored by that pervert Scott Weiner, state senator of California, is changing the definition of child abuse. I'm going to put this on your screen. You won't be able to read it. I'm going to read it for you. This is the section of California law that talks about what a court must consider before removing a child from the parent's custody. It's the child abuse section of the law. Let me read it to you. In making a determination of the best interests of the child in a proceeding described in section blah, blah, the court shall, among any other factors it finds relevant and consistent with, with section blah, blah, consider all of the following. The health, safety, and welfare of the child. Here, listeners, is the new language. As used in this paragraph, the health, safety, and welfare of the child includes a parent's affirmation of the child's gender identity. Do you understand what has happened here? They have made in this bill, by definition, if this bill passes, and it almost certainly will, almost certainly will be signed into law. They have defined child abuse as failing to trans your child. Plainly and literally, not an exaggeration, not hyperbole. They are coming for your kids. They, they are coming for your kids. And if you are a parent who doesn't want that to happen, they will see you jailed. They've already done it. Or they'll see you dead. And I'm not being hyperbolic about that either. A lot of these people would like you dead if you don't agree with them. That's cluster B. Not all cluster Bs. <laughs> Okay, 
Seattle, of course, Washington State. This story comes from the New York Post. It's about a spa, a Korean spa owned by a man. Okay, I want you to remember that. This is a man trying to stand up for his female customers. Okay. This is the Olympus Spa you're seeing on your screen, which is probably going to be shut down now from the New York Post. A Washington judge has ordered a women-only spa to accept transgender women who still have penises, even though all of its customers are naked. Seattle District Court Judge Barbara Jacobs Rothstein on Monday upheld a discrimination ruling against Olympus Spa filed by local trans activist Haven Wilvich. The traditional Korean spa, uh, oh, I, I guess you're seeing Haven, um, you're, you're seeing Haven on your screen now. I'm going to bring that back to when I'm done. Um, uh, ruling against uh, Olymp Olympus Spa by local trans activist Haven Wilvich, who claims to be, quote, more women than many feminists who are only incidental. The traditional Korean spa has maintained that its women-only rule is essential for the safety, legal protection, and well-being of our customers. Ooh, I'm getting a hot flash. Ooh, you see how angry this makes me? And also this building is overheated. Um, it willingly accepted transgender women, but, quote, only if they've gone through post-operative sex confirmation surgery, the ruling noted. Wilvich, however, identifies as a woman, but is biologically male and has not undergone sex reassignment surgery, the court papers said, noting that Spa never had a record of the activist's ever actually going there. I didn't even bring anything to blot with. Hmm. Okay, so would you like to see the principles involved in this case? Here is Judge Barbara Rothstein. Take a look at the expression on her face. Keep it in your mind. Okay, got it in your mind. Let's go back to Haven Wilvich, please, Kevin. Take a look at the expression on the face. Okay. This is the smug, smirking, challenging Cluster B look. Both of them have it. That's saying, I got you and fuck you. That's what that is. That's Cluster B, and it's at the malignant end of the spectrum. Here's what Haven had to say about Haven's self. Quote, I'm more woman than any TERF, trans-exclusionary radical feminist, will ever be because I'm an intentional woman, whereas they are only incidental. Next quote. I did it, Wilvich had posted at the time, celebrating getting, quote, the main naked lady spa in the area to change their policies and allow all self-identified women access, regardless of surgery and genitals. Don't be surprised when this guy rapes or beats some woman. Don't be surprised. So how did the judge justify her ruling? Quote, in her ruling, Rothstein noted how the Washington State Human Rights Commission defines sexual orientation as including those whose, quote, gender identity, self-image, appearance, behavior, or expression is different from that traditionally associated with the sex assigned to that person at birth and Quote, this is how they do it. This is what we've been talking about. We original recipe gay people. 
how they have redefined sexual orientation to include gender identity, which is merely the claim that I am a sex different from the one that I am. But that's just like being gay, right? So if they discriminate against the gays, they're also discriminating against the people who are just like the gays. This is how we've been used. And gay people, lesbians, gay men, we let this happen. We let it happen. We let it in. Now we see what we've reaped from sowing the idea that psychotic, unstable lunacy that is transgenderism is just like being gay or straight. It's just a different way of being in the world. This is the harvest of the crop the former gay community planted a long time ago. Are you loving it as much as I am? Again, you're watching our 2023 highlights episode. And now it's time for a break. Come back and see us on the other side. disaffected audience and happy new year after the show we are going to be hanging out and we would love to ring in the new year with you on discord so if you're a subscriber and a supporter about 10 minutes after the show join us in discord in the backstage portion and kevin and i will be there and you all will be too enjoy the show looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is put it where my mouth is Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. talk about Sinead O'Connor. Sinead O'Connor has been hard to shake from my mind this past week. And yes, this is a segment about borderline personality disorder. It's obvious, it's really undeniably obvious that O'Connor was a severely compromised borderline. As you know, many of you longtime listeners, my mother is a borderline and also a narcissist. One of the goals of my years-long therapeutic work um, with my longtime therapist, early on in his words, was to develop empathy about my mother. And that doesn't mean what it sounds like on the surface. He, he, do, he didn't mean, and he doesn't mean that I should feel bad for her, that I should actively feel and express sympathy toward her, or that it somehow makes it okay that she warped and distorted her children from birth, which is what she did. To me, as her firstborn son, my mother was my worst tormentor, the worst tormentor I had in my life. She formed my mind and my character with that mistreatment and abuse from an early age. What empathy means in this context is understanding, not sympathy, not excuse making. It means understanding that were I or you in her shoes, might I or you have become who she became? How did it happen? What broke her in a way that compelled her to break her children? 
I'm making progress on this, but I often have to approach it obliquely. I, I approach it through avatars of my mother by wearing dark glasses so that I can look at her eclipse without going blind. And I've done this through my mental relationship and, and my fanhood around Joan Crawford, another borderline abusive mother. I've done it through my decades-long obsession with Madonna, who is also obviously a cluster B woman. It's not a reasonable request to make of a child of an abusive parent to ask him to directly feel sympathy and complete emotional detachment with equanimity. When the most important person in your life hurts you as badly as my mother did, there will always be a personal, deeply sore spot for me that can't be washed away and it can't be therapized away. And anger at this can and does still come back, even though I'm not globally angry 24 hours a day at my mother, as I was the first year to two years after my break with her, um, it can come back. But I can walk around my mother psychologically with people like Sinead O'Connor. Since her death about a week and a half ago, which is almost certainly a suicide, not verified, but almost certainly is, I felt really great sadness for her and a lot of pity. Look what you could have been. Look how beautiful and ungodly talented you were. I've been equally angry at her and equally disgusted with her. She abused her children, and that's obvious. Her derangement played out in public over decades. She screamed. She cried hysterically. She did it on camera. She did it on people's television shows. She did it on her own YouTube channel. She gave into paranoid persecution fantasies very frequently, and she changed her name and religion time and time and time again. Imagine what it was like for her children. You know what their emotional world must have been like. And of course, very tragically, her 17-year-old son killed himself last year as well. It should be obvious to anybody that Sinead O'Connor had a terminal case of borderline personality disorder, but as usual, most of society doesn't know what this is and very few people are talking about it. Someone, however, is, and someone who writes very well with keen insight. I recommend to you the Substack article I'm going to excerpt from the blog, Millennial Woes. It's titled, In the Absence of Order, The Life, Self-Destruction, and Death of Sinead O'Connor. I will link that full article in the notes below this video. From the article. The Irish singer-songwriter Sinead O'Connor has died. She was 56. The cause of death has not yet been revealed, but I would be very surprised if it was not suicide. When the news first broke, I was quite shocked. For the rest of the evening, I remained in this state, not depressed, but a bit shaken. This was a celebrity death that mattered to me in a way that few have done. This is a man writing, by the way, just so you know. I wasn't even a fan. Most of her music isn't my kind of thing, but still, it was clear to me that a powerful and unique creative voice was gone from the world. I was probably aware of Sinead O'Connor dimly from when she first became famous in the late 1980s, but I was just a small child then. My first memory of being consciously aware of her is from 1994. I encountered her song, Thank You For Hearing Me. It is a truly beautiful piece. To describe it would be clumsy, so I will simply suggest that the song be given a chance. It can speak for itself as a work of art. And art is what Sinead O'Connor created. Her work is not bubblegum pop music, nor is it the dumb rebellion of so much rock music. It is something sincere. In the modern parlance, it comes from a place of honesty. People use that phrase all the time now. I speak my truth, but I think in the case of Sinead O'Connor, it's actually accurate. End quote. 
for those of you who don't know, O'Connor's first hit in the 1990s, I was early 90s, was a song written by Prince called Nothing Compares to You, and it was aptly named. We have never heard a voice with her vocal quality. It's extraordinary, it's raw, it's aching, and it's beautiful. She was innately gifted. She caused a raging controversy in 1992 when she went on Saturday Night Live and ripped up a picture of the Pope to protest sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. Sinead was in fact canceled in 1992 to exactly the same degree that you see cancellation today. It was no softer. The only difference with today is that cancellation today is so normalized and indiscriminate. And for the record, I believe Sinead O'Connor that she was abused by her mother and by clerics in the Catholic institutions that she was placed in. It's completely believable, and this woman bore the obvious psychological scars of early childhood abuse and sexual abuse. More from this article, quote, they said one thing, that is the mainstream music industry, they said one thing, she did the opposite. This behavior shows a strong spirit, but it is characteristic of a personality disorder which would loom large in O'Connor's life and will crop up again and again in this essay, borderline personality disorder. The common misconception about BPD is that it means someone is on the borderline of having a personality disorder. This is not so. It is a disorder, one in which a, the person, usually a woman, has a dysfunctional relationship with borders and boundaries. Perhaps she got far too little discipline as a child or far too much. Next quote. Or perhaps she had endured a lot of physical or sexual abuse, rupturing her ability to connect meaningfully with other people. Undermining her self-image could result in her having a warped understanding of where she ends and other people begin. O'Connor claimed to have been viciously and relentlessly abused by her mother between the ages of 8 and 13. She was physically and verbally and psychologically, spiritually and emotionally abusive. During this time, her father was struggling to gain custody and res rescue his children from their sadistic, unhinged, Valium-addicted mother. Now, the author spends some bit of time considering that some of O'Connor's siblings say things didn't happen that way. And like many, I think that the author may not understand that siblings in these families routinely remember things differently and experiencing, experience them differently. Joan Crawford's second set of adopted children after Christina and Christopher denied all the allegations that Christina, the first child, had made, and much of which they could not have witnessed and known about because they hadn't been born and they weren't in the house. Until I was 41, I denied to everyone that my mother had ever abused me. I said, and this is a verbatim quote, my mother is a saint. We are children of the lie, to borrow from M. Scott Peck. And we usually don't know we're lying. We're not doing it consciously. But we're broken and we're lying to ourselves to protect an eggshell-thin psyche. A little more from the article. <clears throat> but the claims, her claims, are very dramatic. From her 2021 memoirs, my earliest memory was her telling me I shouldn't be born. She didn't want me. She didn't want girls. She wanted me to be a boy. She treated me like a boy. She chopped off my hair. Whenever she beat me, which was daily, she made me take my clothes off and lie naked on the floor, my arms and legs open. She would attack my abdomen, wanting to burst my womb and destroy my reproductive system. She wanted me to stop being a female. That's Sinead O'Connor. Yes, these are very dramatic claims. I do not know if they're true, but they are absolutely believable. They are not unbelievable. There are mothers like this, and normal people from normal homes have a very hard time believing it. But have they never once in their lives read a story of child abuse in the paper? Have they never watched Dateline, never watched a true crime documentary? Is it possible that Sinead O'Connor exaggerated? Sure. 
But that propensity, the inclination to do that, comes from somewhere, and that somewhere is almost certainly severe child abuse, even if it isn't exactly as described. The, the Millennial Woes article is really long, but it's worth every minute of your attention. Um, and Sinead O'Connor's unstable identity, I think, couldn't have been more obvious. In 2017, she changed her name to Magda David to escape what she called the patriarchal slave name. Here's Magda, a picture of her on the Dr. Phil show. And then the next year, she converted to Islam and changed her name to Shuhada David. And here we have a picture of her in this identity. Over the years, Sinead O'Connor raged on video for the world to see from her home, on television shows, crying, screaming, sometimes literally rending her garments. She said horrible things about her family and about her own children. She appears to me to, be a, to have been one of those borderlines who was prone to frequent psychotic breaks where they do actually depart from reality. Audience, this is borderline personality disorder. It is to be sinner and saint, victim and abuser. I've complained many times about how we always refer to those who, quote, suffer from borderline personality disorder, and we're referring to the borderline, but we're never refer referring to the children of the family. I still think we give too much sympathy to the abuser and not enough to the victims. But Sinead O'Connor did suffer. There's no doubt that she suffered. My mother suffered, and she suffers still. Yet the children of these women also suffered from their choices and from their incompetence and their inadequacy as parents. It's not something I can forgive, even though I can now better understand it. And wherever Sinead O'Connor is, or if she's nowhere at all, I hope that she is in fact resting in peace. Welcome to another edition of Poopery du Mockery. Now it is time to roast the skin of everyone. Kevin, rule it. Yeah, Dr. Shola Moschuk. How do I pronounce your name, Shola? Read it, my darling. Read it. Shog Bam Imibu. Okay. Imibu. So this is terrible. I know, Especially it's terrible. For I can't, it's easy, No, 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 go back and start again. Right, just okay. Shola, yeah. phonetically. Shog, mam, emu. Start, do it again. Oh, come on, no, no, no. I got the do, Shola right. Do, do it again. Shola, and read it phonetically. Mos, shog, mam, emu. You just missed the B, try again. Go on. Shola, 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 welcome no, to the no, show. No, 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 you will <laughs> say my name. Now read it phonetically. Shog bam emu. Okay. No, you will say my name. <laughs> it makes me think of <laughs> Abfab. You want to move that fat bottom of yours and get your mouth sewn up? <laughs> You'll see this. The <laughs> White women are in a sadomasochistic sexual relationship with black women these days, I swear to God. They just sit there and take it. She, this lady, this host on the Jeremy Vine show in the UK, she just sits there and takes it. I would have booted that bitch right up off my set, but I'm me.
<laughs> Somebody came to my attention this week who calls herself Smokey McBongwater. Let's take a look at Smokey. So this is her Twitter profile, and she says her banner is friends don't let friends spread COVID. And she's got a picture. She's about 25 years old, and she's got that smile. Mm, head tilt, you know, manic pixie dream borderline. So she's Smokey McBongwater. She's, oh, I'm sorry, 23 years old. She uh, uh, she has some conditions. One of them is being born under the sign of Taurus. Another one is A-U-D-H-D. We'll get to that. Uh, her pronouns are she, her, and Fay Fair, because she's she's with the fairy folk. Um, a cab, all cab, uh, all <laughs> all cats are bastards. That's not true. All cats are actually borderlines, though. But she means all cops are bastards. Queer, eighteen plus. Hashtag mask up. Hashtag mask up. And she is a long COVID ally. <laughs> COVID isn't over, you duty, dirty birdie. <laughs> so what is, what is A-U-D-H-D? Can you guess? <laughs> First result on Google. What is A-U-D-H-D? AUDHD is a relatively new unofficial term that describes a person who has both autism and attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Thus the mergings, thus the merging the terms autism and ADHD into AUDHD. It's just another way not to say borderline personality disorder. I'll bet you she's got fibromyalgia too. Maybe more Gellens. Now, more in women having sadomasochistic sexual relationships with black women. Kennedy, it, it diminishes our capacity to have empathy. Think about how we describe psychopaths. What's a definition of a psychopath? You're saying the entire white race. <laughs> Well, I'm I, saying, I agree with you. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah. Yes, you are correct. But the reason why you know that is that you had a relationship. We need white people to heal ourselves from this damage to our humanity, that patriarchy, that white supremacy has inflicted on us and become fully human again. OK, th the damage that has been inflicted on society is from your glasses, madam. That's where we need to start. The healing starts with your glasses. Take those off. Those are my mother, 1982. Of course they are. She, are you saying the entire white race? I agree with you. Of course she does. <laughs> Did that get you hot, Velma? Did you like that humiliation? Sick freak. <laughs> Now for your delectation, one minute and 39 seconds explaining why troons need uteruses. Uh, so trans women need 
ihres Transplants more than this females. This is kind of hot tech. I just wanted to say purple's opinions on it. But anyway, so basically, as a trans woman, in some situations, I think it's more necessary for the trans woman to be given a uterus over the cis female. That makes fun. So, for me, I don't really need it because I am a woman, I am a female, even though I'm trans, I am a woman still to society and to myself, but there are other trans women who don't have things to validate their identity, but women are born, or like not women, cis females are born with things that already validate themselves, um, and there are a lot of trans women aren't allowed to have those things. Some can't get surgeries, some can't get hormones and other stuff. And so even just the ability to have a uterus can be very like beneficial and validating to them. So like there are some just there's females who don't need that. They already have like breasts, they already have like long hair. Other things. So why is that been a lecture thing? <laughs> this a kind of hot take. No, it isn't. No, it's not. <laughs> the first Twitter response I saw to this was, "Why is it talking that way?" <laughs> it, I, I cannot help you with this one. I cannot explain to you why trans women need uteruses more than cis females because I because women have uteruses so they wouldn't be looking to get a transplant you see like for example I have a penis so I'm not in need of a penis transplant and if you think that's not coming you better think again uh, Oh, I could, I could think while I looked at this, this young person with spiders on his eyelashes was just Samantha Fox. Oh, what's her name? Samantha. Samantha Fox. No more fun and games of the mind. Now, uh, oh, excuse me, I got a little excited there. Um, well, I guess we'll end with um, we'll end with um, a particular, fu a particularly funereal offering. Please roll it, Kevin. All right, I will assume that you asked this question in the way that you really want to learn. So, I will explain all the ways that it is okay. Let's say that you're attracted to women. Well, if you're attracted to women, then you're attracted to cis women, trans women without bottom surgery, and trans women with bottom surgery. If you're attracted to um, BJ, then you could be attracted to a cis woman, a trans man without bottom surgery, a trans woman with bottom surgery, or a non-binary person, which, depending on their assigned gender at birth, having or not having had the surgery. But it is that exclusion that makes it transphobic. So... If you say that you like women and you like BJ, then that would mean 
that you are attracted to cis women and trans women who have had who have had bottom surgery. It is just that exclusion that makes it transphobic. You can have a general preference, but to exclude trans people is transphobic. Are you attracted to VJ? <laughs> is that like V'ger? <laughs> Reminds me of that um, Futurama episode where they 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 riffed on uh, V'ger from Star Trek the Motion Picture, and the big monstrous craft that was coming was V'giny. <laughs> this guy looks like Marilyn Manson Munster. I think I would like to hire him for my new funeral home, announcing. The Barbie Memorial Center and Dreamatorium with Easy Bake Technology, loved ones sold separately. Grandma's gray. And that has been Popoli Do Mokoli. We'll see you next week. disaffected audience and happy new year after the show we are going to be hanging out and we would love to ring in the new year with you on discord so if you're a subscriber and a supporter about 10 minutes after the show join us in discord in the backstage portion and kevin and i will be there and you all will be too enjoy the show looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is put it where my mouth is Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. on our side I'm talking about people who are against the transing of children who are trying to get us past this woke hysteria that we live in people on our side lost their minds about Matt Walsh's tone and content they called him mean they said he was cruel they said he wouldn't accomplish anything like commentators often do They rather arrogantly supposed that they knew what Matt Walsh's goals were and that those goals were something called persuading people. It was a constant cluck fest of you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. And a lot of feminine hand wringing about being nice and not being cruel. Let me tell you something about catching flies with honey and vinegar. Have you noticed? We've talked about this before. It's been a while. I'm going to mention it again. Have you noticed how many truisms or aphorisms are actually narcissistic reversals? I'll give you a couple examples. Blood is thicker than water, people say. That's not the original. The original sentiment was exactly the opposite. Or another one would be... Um, 
Oh, what is the, what is the example that I had? Well, well, we'll just go with this one. People say you catch more flies with honey than vinegar. No, actually, in a, as a matter of actual fact, that's not true. Every year I get fruit flies. I make traps to catch fruit flies. If I take a jar and I put sugar water in it and I cover it with plastic and I poke holes in it, nah, a few fruit flies will come in. If I really want to catch them and drown them, do you know what I put in there? Vinegar. That's right. Fruit flies prefer vinegar. So first of all, this truism isn't even true. It's another reversal. <laughs> but again, it assumes that what you're trying to do is catch flies. And Matt Walsh isn't trying to catch the flies these people think he's trying to catch, and neither am I. So who did this? Who, who, who decided to scold and scorn and correct Matt Walsh, who, regardless of how you feel about him, has actually accomplished things in the world, such as the bill in Tennessee that I believe has been passed now is awaiting the governor's signature? that will ban mutilating children, will ban, ban so-called trans-affirming care. What have you done, commentators? Hmm? The people who said these things are people that I respect and admire. I'm not going to play drama tube. I'm not going to try to start some kind of ridiculous feud fest. It's stupid. I'm not motivated to do it. I don't want to do it wouldn't work out for me well if I did do it. That's not the point. I'm not saying I hate any of these people. But I am going to say my piece about it. Francis Foster and Constantine Kisson of trigonometry have really disappointed me, especially because I respect them so much. And I do. I've been on their show. Their show Trigonometry Without that show, it would have taken me years longer to politically mature because what I got from their show was hearing interesting, provocative and intelligent voices from all sides of the political spectrum. But a lot of them outside the left that I had never heard before, I'd never heard the arguments before. I credit trigonometry with some of my political maturation. Their show is a big part of that, and it's a big part of changing people's minds. But they got this wrong. And frankly, gentlemen, you were awfully smug when you did it, too. So was commentator Sidney Watson, who I also respect and appreciate. So was Jeremy of his podcast, The Quartering, who I also respect and appreciate. Many other people out there didn't accomplish anything mean, won't persuade anyone making us look bad. It went too far. It was so cruel, they said. Friends, colleagues compatriots. The world of diplomatic nicety that you think you can have doesn't exist anymore. And you're well smart enough to know it. Get with reality or get out of the way. We are at war. We are in cultural civil war. We may actually end up in a hot civil war if something doesn't change. And if we have any chance of stopping that, we need men and women of courage and truth, like Matt Walsh, to say what needs to be said, bluntly and forcefully.
What we don't need is your clucking. Clucking is what got us into this fucking mess. Being nice is what got us into this fucking mess. Here's how it's going to be with me and with us on this show. I am on full war footing and I am taking no prisoners. I am not going to tone down my approach. I will not even be 1% nicer or quieter. I am in this to win and I'm going to win. When I talked about this in a Substack essay this week, a couple of subscribers started to question my mental health. One of them, a paying subscriber, asked me if I was spiraling out of control because I'd seemed to be spiraling ever since I quit my job, you know, the one I was forced out of two months ago. This is most often a woman's game or a gay man's game. It's a way to intimidate men because women and many gay men are uncomfortable with unabashed male anger. Well, get used to it because there's going to be a lot more. I will not tolerate from anyone people questioning my mental health because I won't play nice. I know what that game means. And if you want to play it, find somebody else because I'll just cancel your subscription and ban you. I am not out of control. My anger is not disproportionate. I am right. My anger is proportionate. It is necessary as an example to others, especially people who are a little more timid. And it is not a sign of mental instability. I have never been more mentally clear in my life than I am now that I put the personality disordered monster out of my life and started over. I can see clearly now in a way that I could never see before. And to timid women out there, I have this to say. Men are back. Get used to it. Men are angry. Men are going to yell. You can stuff your kibitzing and your faux caring about our mental stability. Get used to angry men acting like angry men. You need it whether you know it or not. Your sex fucked this society up with wokeness and trans. And I'm not going to pretend that you didn't. No, it's not that men didn't participate. They have. But this has been a woman's game. There are plenty of women out there who see this too and are just as angry about this and want nothing to do with it. They are sick and tired of sororal treachery and morality preening by women, by mommies, because they get punished too. They're tired. They're tired of it because it brought us trans, it brought us Democrat and progressive supremacy, and it brought us the social approval of mutilating children. One person, however, took a different approach on the Substack, and she said, I just became a paid subscriber for exactly this kind of fearlessness. Thank you. During the COVID mandates on children in particular, a lot of us moms asked where in the hell men were. Most of them were busy being nice guys, worried about their standing in the community or about their paycheck. 
I am exhausted with the excuses people use in an effort to go along and get along. Sally. I'm here for people like Sally. I'm not here for wimps, wusses, hysterical damsels, mincing Nancy boys, or cuckolded straight men. Cluckers, your scolding doesn't mean anything to me. I'm sure it doesn't mean anything to a person like Matt Walsh, because you don't have anything that I need or want. I have lost almost everything important to me in the last six years of my life. I lost my mother, or I lost the illusion of a mother who cared whether I lived or died, and it was the most painful thing I have ever encountered. Nearly all of my friends walked away from me. A very few stuck around. Woke women successfully canceled me and cost me my 20-year career in my job as the most knowledgeable consumer advocate in my field who has done more to rewrite American funeral law to protect the grieving than anyone else in 40 years. And if that sounds vainglorious to you, I'm sorry, it is the truth. No one and nothing owns me, and I will give up everything before I stay silent in the face of socially sanctioned medical rape of children. Legally and socially sanctioned abuse of white people, confiscatory taxes, and Marxist social programming designed to impoverish working and middle class Americans. And I'm with the men. Men, are you with me, is the question. Men have a duty to stand up now. All men. And I'm also with the women who are fed up with it and can see the problem that their sex is engaging in right now, too. I'm with them. There is going to be no more neutered gay best friend for women who want a pocket pansy to show off at brunch. Those days are over. No going along to get along. No shying away from telling black people, trans people, gay people, or smother mothers to shut up. Matt Walsh did nothing wrong. The backlash to him proved to me conclusively that this is war. Never bend the knee. Never submit, even if you have to die. They're killing your soul right now anyway. And if you think this isn't war, when in God's name do you think it will be? Preschool sends out a letter to all the parents announcing one of our students is now Rosa, and we would love you all to come and celebrate and support her. And he was four years old. I didn't even know if he knew what a pronoun was. I go to the daycare a week later uh, to, to drop him off, and it's Rosa is written on the entrance sheet where I have to sign. Rosa is on his cubby. It, it's everywhere. And they would just look at me and listen. They would say, Helen, you should really learn to accept this and celebrate it. And I'm like, celebrate what? Celebrate that my child's going to be put on hormones and his penis will never grow and he'll never have a normal sex life and he'll be on drugs for the rest of his life. This was when she was like 15. Um, I remember being up in her room and she said, I'm trans and I need a new name. Somehow I got a text from CVS. Your, your prescription for TES is available. She's like, it's mine, 
you can't take it from me. You can get this by making a phone call and having a teleappointment. I mean, there was no psychological evaluation. There was nothing. Where does our species go if, if you can cut off your body parts like this? Sean had set up an appointment with an endocrinologist at the hospital to try to get hormones. I'm looking at it as, hey, this kid just needs to explain to him, hey, he's had a lot of traumatic events through his life, you know, losing his leg. We had an older son that died of a heroin overdose when he was eight years old. He went through the loss of his mom, being diagnosed with cancer again. I mean, we, I went through all, I said, all these things have to have a big effect on him. When I had the appointment with the psychiatrist, I was just blown away when she turned around and told me that he's definitely transgender um, and you are an unsupportive, abusive father. I'm trying to keep him alive. Welcome back. We're going to get into more detail about House Bill 89. As a reminder, we did a special 15-minute episode this past Tuesday called Do Vermont Republicans Know What They Voted For? Uh, it would be a really good idea for you to check that out, too, because we're going to talk about a few different things in this one. In this segment of the show, we're going to use an example scenario to help you understand what the very complicated language in this Vermont bill means in the real world with a real family. You know, Kevin spoke to a legislator about this recently who said that they, the Republicans, didn't even consider this scenario when they were voting on the bill. So here's the scenario. We're going to talk about Bob, Jane, and Billy. Bob and Jane are married. Billy is their 10-year-old son. Bob, Jane, and Billy live in the state of Utah. Utah bans child sex changes that Vermont calls gender-affirming care. Okay, Jane and Bob are getting divorced. And one of the major contentions is that Jane wants to trans 10-year-old Billy into a girl. Utah will not allow her to do this. It is now illegal as of January 29th, 2023, to abuse children this way, as it should be in all states. So Jane decides to take Billy on a trip to Vermont. And she begins the transing process when she gets Billy here. If this bill, H-89, becomes law, Vermont will not only transition Billy against his father Bob's wishes, but Vermont will also ignore any legal orders from a family court in Utah that would prevent this. This is unconstitutional. Not a gray area, not an opinion. It is unconstitutional. Fact. And what part of the Constitution? Once again, Article 4, Section 1 the full faith and credit clause. Now, if Bob tries to stop Jane from transing Billy in Vermont, by, uh, for example, by filing suit, civil suit against Jane using Utah law, if this bill in Vermont becomes law, Vermont will not only ignore the suit and refuse to cooperate with the civil court from another state, Vermont law also gives Jane a specific enumerated right to sue Bob back for interfering. And Vermont law calls what Bob is doing to save his child 
abusive litigation. That's right. Do you see the cluster B here? Do you see the narcissistic reversal? This is all cluster B. Okay. That's what that has to, that's what this has to do with the theme of this show. All of this is cluster B. It's narcissism. Some of it is direct psychopathy. And there's a lot of borderline and histrionic emotional instability going on here. This is abuse. All right. So let's look a little bit more deeply at House Bill 89. I'm going to pull some of the language and I'm going to show it to you on your screen and I'm going to read it slowly to you. Even though I read it slowly to you, it's not going to make it that much easier for you to understand. Why am I doing this? Because I want you to experience what it's like to try to parse this legislation. And I want you to understand after you've watched this, how lawmakers get fooled and deceived by high legalese that citizen lawmakers, and in Vermont, we really do have citizen lawmakers. It's not just a cutesy name. These really are just people who live down the street from you. They're not legal experts any more than a plumber off the street is. Uh, they don't have the tools to parse this stuff. And the opposing side knows this. And I believe that they deliberately hired lawyers who wrote in the most abstruse and opaque language using multiple nested dependent clauses that make, I had to, to prepare for this segment, I had to work on paper and I had to make very careful notes after each line and write out plain English translation. And I had to go back and check myself because I got lost in the dependent clauses. Okay. So I, I want you to experience this so you understand it. Then I'm going to give you a plain English translation. First quote from the law. The definition of gender affirming healthcare services means all supplies, care, and services of a medical, behavioral health, mental health, surgical, psychiatric, therapeutic, diagnostic, preventative, rehabilitative, or supportive nature relating to the treatment of gender dysphoria, including insurance coverage for any of the foregoing. Gender-affirming care does not include conversion therapy. Ah, conversion therapy. Yeah, this is conversion therapy. This is the mutilation of children and trying to change them into something else. This, this, you know, <clears throat> oh, it's frustrating. Oh, I hate the reversals. I hate them so much. It, they, I, they make me, I'm very, very angry. Yes, I am. I'm very angry. Uh, yes, I find this triggering. Absolutely. Here's your plain English translation. Notice the softening language, first of all. Care affirming. These are positive and comforting words. But is the care actually care? Is it actually caring? Let me remind you what gender affirming care means. This is what happens to children. Three step process. Step one, puberty blockers that disrupt normal brain and body development. Step two, cross sex hormones which uh, guarantee permanent sterility, permanent sterility, and increase the risk of osteoporosis, stroke, heart attack, and much more, and statistically will shorten their lifespans, will. Step three, surgery. And this is what they mean by caring and affirming. Take a look at your screen. This is called phalloplasty. That means the creation of a penis where a penis did not exist. Look at that Frankenstein monstrosity. Look at it. Republicans, 
Is this what you wanted for Vermont's children? And I'm going to ask you directly. You know what? I'll, 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 I'll ask one of you. Patty McCoy, would you do this to your child? Patty, do you think it's okay to do this to another child? If you want to give me an answer, my email is us at disaffected.fm. I don't think you will, though. Will you? What about for girls? Well, it starts with what they cutesily call top surgery, which is bilateral mastectomy, slicing off healthy breasts from teenage girls. Take a look at it. Take a look at the Franken chest. Pretty, huh? It's beautiful. Loving. What parent wouldn't want this for their kid, right? Back to the law. Quote. Notwithstanding subdivisions two of this subsection, the provision of a health care service by a person duly licensed under the laws of this state and physically present in this state and the provision of insurance coverage for such services shall be legally protected if the service is permitted under the laws of this state, regardless of the patient's location or whether the provider is licensed in the state where the patient is located at the time the service is rendered. Did you understand any of that? I'll help you. Plain English translation. No matter where the child is in the United States, even if that child lives in a state that actually protects children by prohibiting this medical abuse, Vermont doctors will be protected under Vermont law for prescribing dangerous and unnecessary alleged medications to that child out of state. That's what that means. I think that's what it means. But if you read it differently, if, if there's somebody out there who is with legal experience, statutory experience, if you read it differently and you think I got it wrong, leave a comment, please, in the YouTube uh, underneath this in YouTube. Next uh, part I want to talk about, quote, this is where we get into the um, uh, abusive litigation, quote, if a person, whether or not acting under color of law, engages or attempts to engage in abusive litigation that infringes on or interferes with or attempts to infringe on or interfere with legally protected health care activity. Any aggrieved person, provider, payer, or other entity, including any defendant in such abusive litigation, may initiate a civil action for injunctive, monetary, or other appropriate relief within six years after the cause of action accrues. Plain English translation. Recall Bob and Jane and their son, Billy. Recall that they live in Utah, which prohibits doing this to children. Remember that they are in divorce court and that they are sorting out custody. Under this Vermont law, if Bob sues Jane to stop her from mutilating Billy, Vermont gives Jane a specific enumerated right to sue Bob back. Vermont law calls Bob's attempts to save his son abusive litigation. This is cluster B. Like I said, this law legalizes kidnapping, parental abduction, and mutilation. The process of writing and pushing for this law is pure cluster B. And, and specifically, I would say it's malignant narcissism and psychopathy. Yes, it's at the severe 
end of cluster B. Of course, all of cluster B is severe, but the psychopaths and the malignant narcissists are the most dangerous. And I can smell them and their reek and stench all over this filthy law. It's consciously deceptive, is deliberately written to confuse, and it is written with the knowledge that almost no one will be able to understand its actual effect by reading it. And it relies on a classic reversal. Notice how it characterizes efforts to protect children from mutilation as the abusive act itself. It is abusive in this fucking state to save children. You better be as angry as I am, frankly. This is pure evil. Now, how did the Republicans end up voting for this? What was going through their minds? That's the question that Kevin and I have been asking each other. That's the question we've been asking our friends who care about this. Well, I think there are a couple of possibilities. Um, I'm going to give you a quote here from one of the Republican lawmakers who did vote for this bill. She wrote an article for the conservative outlet Vermont Daily Chronicle, and um, Here's what she had to say. This is Gina Golfetti, who is a Republican representative in our state house. Quote, you have to pick your bills, your hills to die on, and H89 was no exception. I do not expect that all of my constituents will agree with my vote of yes on this bill. But if I live to fight another day in a battle of greater consequence, I know that my vote was the proper one. When you are a member of the super minority, you have to play your cards very carefully to gain any ground. And H89 was a prime example of knowing when to fold them. Well, your opposition, Gina, doesn't see it the same way. Here is Emma Mulvaney Stanek on the other side. Listen to her. Today was a historic day. We passed on second reading the yeah. shield law for Vermont. Um, this is incredibly important. So the shield law in Vermont, I see my colleagues clapping. I, I mean, this is this was a big moment. Um, uh, where we passed uh, protections for healthcare providers and patients who are seeking um, abortion care as well as gender um, affirming care here in the state of Vermont. I can go into a lot more details, but just know that we passed second reading. It will pass tomorrow. Um, this will likely be challenged in the courts later on, but some of this will be um, apply immediately once uh, once passed by the Senate and signed by the governor. And it's a big freaking deal. Um, we need to protect folks in their access. And as long as they're in Vermont, essentially, they will be protected. So right out of the horse's mouth, this is very important. This is a big freaking deal. Oh, and did you catch the other part? They know it's going to go to court. They wrote this knowing this. They know that this is in violation of the Constitution. Gina Golfetti, you got played, madam. Do you have the moral courage, Gina, to admit that you were wrong? Do you have the moral courage to say, I made a mistake and it was actually grossly inappropriate for me to call this a hill that wasn't worth dying on and that something else was of greater consequence? Gina Golfetti. What is of greater consequence than protecting children from medical mutilization? Mutilation. What? Tell me, Gina. You going to be that confident? You going to pat yourself on the back for being a savvy politician? Then you better answer some goddamn questions, lady. My guess overall about the Republicans 
is that none of them understood what they were voting for. And I want to say something else about what Gina said about hills to die on. There was no hill to die on here. You and your colleagues all could have voted no on this on principle. It wouldn't have changed the outcome, but you did not have to sell your soul. And you did sell your soul and you sold children out on principle. You, you wouldn't have lost anything. You wouldn't have lost anything. And now you dare to defend yourself? What a joke. Being as charitable as possible, our guess is that most of the Republicans did not understand what they were voting for. And this was deliberate on the part of progressive. The Democrats consciously chose to tie the concept of so-called gender affirming care, which is actually butchery, to a section of law that protects a woman's right to have abortions. Now, in Vermont, even many Republicans support women's rights to have abortions, even if they may disagree on where the limitations should be. The Democrats knew that the Republicans would feel obligated to vote for this and that they would fear backlash if their constituents saw that they were perceived to be voting against women's rights. So this bill is written in such opaque language with so much tortured legalese that most people, even legislators, will put it down because it's incomprehensible except to experts in legislative language. The progressives and the Democrats did this deliberately. Republicans. This is what you gave us. This is you. You gave us a child mutilation bill that outstrips even California's insanity. How do you feel about what you've done to vulnerable children in Vermont and everywhere else in the country when they're going to flock here? Do you feel good? Will you sleep tonight? Will you sleep well? You shouldn't. And that's the last show of 2023. Thank you all for your viewership. Thank you for listening. And from me and Shredder, thank you for your support. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget, in 10 minutes, we are going to be having a live hangout on Discord for supporters and paying members. Uh, if you want to get in on that and you're not already a supporter, just subscribe to us at disaffectedpod.substack.com. You'll get an automated email giving you access to Discord, and we'll see you there to ring in the new year.